This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please turn to John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. Again, we're so glad to be here. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to come and share our ministry. As well as uh, Pastor Asher, thank you for sharing your pulpit with me. This is a, a great privilege. Believe it or not, this is one of the bigger crowds that I've preached to. So please bear with me if I, if I seem a little nervous. All right, John chapter number 12. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. John chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 1. And the Bible says there, beginning in verse number 1, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Let's pause for prayer right there. Lord, we love you so much, and we want to thank you for all that you do for us, Lord, for giving us this blessed Sunday, this day where we can come together in your house, Lord, and freely worship you. We pray and ask you now that, Lord, you would fill this place with your Holy Spirit's power. Lord, use me today. Allow your voice to be heard through this preacher, Lord. Don't let me, Lord, cloud anything that you want to accomplish here in this church today. I also pray now that you'd make us the listeners that you desire for the message to penetrate our ears and our hearts, Lord. Make the applications, the changes that need to be made wherever you you need them to be made, Lord. And Lord, we will give you the praise and honor and glory you deserve for all of it and ask you all these things in your son's holy precious name. Amen. Let's continue in verse number four. The Bible says there, Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. In this short passage that we just read, so a meal is about to be served in Simon the leper's home. And you have Jesus Christ, you have the 12 disciples, you have Mary, Martha, Lazarus, a bunch of people in this house, servants included, some Pharisees included as well. A lot of people and a lot of things going on in this house. But just as Martha, Mary's sister, is beginning to serve this meal, Mary breaks down into tears and uses a bottle of spikenard to wash Jesus Christ's feet along with her tears. As you can imagine during this time while she's doing this, everybody's looking at her. Everybody's wondering, what is this crazy woman doing? She's doing something that's very unusual. She's going against the grain. Despite all that, Mary continued to do what she thought was right to do. You see, it's not the feet washing that was unusual about what Mary was doing, because feet washing was practiced widely during those times. If you had a guest come to your home, before that guest sat sat down, right there at the door, you would take some water, wash their feet, and then dab their forehead with just a little bit of ointment before they sat down and had a time of food and fellowship. If I didn't know any better, I'd say these guys were Baptists, but I do know better, so I won't say that. I won't say that. But there were two things that were unusual about what Mary did here. Two things. Feet washing was to be done by the lowliest servant in the house, and it was to be done before the meal was served, before the the person even sat down. Mary washed Jesus Christ's feet there at the door. And she could have gone and grabbed a servant to come and wash Jesus Christ's feet. But Mary wanted to do it herself. 
Mary wanted to show Jesus Christ that she was giving her absolute best, that she recognized who he was, what his power was, and she was surrendering herself entirely to him. The title of the message that I have for you all this morning is simple. It's our best, our all. Our best, our all. I just want to give you four quick points and how we can make our surrender complete to the Lord, how we can completely, why it's important for us to give ourselves completely to the Lord. Let's break this down. First point, it was a complete surrender. Let's look back at verse number three. The Bible says there, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. But let's stop right there and turn to Mark 14 and look at verse number three in Mark 14. Mark 14, verse number three. Mark 14, verse number three. And the Bible says there, this is the same exact story, but just told from the account of Mark. The Bible says there, and being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. So in the first verse that we read back in John chapter number 12, the third verse that we read there, Bible says that Mary used her hair to wipe away the tears and the spikenard from Jesus Christ's feet. Mary didn't have to do that. She could have grabbed the rag and she could have done it that way. But then it, when we read here in uh, verse number three of chapter 14, a, a new element is introduced to this part. It says that she broke an alabaster box. This alabaster box itself wasn't something that was just cheap. It wasn't a cardboard box that you toss away. It was more like a vase, but for the sake of the story, we'll call it a box. This box itself was very valuable. Despite how valuable it was, Mary broke that box and then used the content inside to wash Jesus Christ's feet. Furthermore, look at verse number eight in chapter 14 there. Jesus Christ is speaking to everybody there, and he says, she hath done what she could. Jesus acknowledged that Mary did her absolute best in that moment. Mary didn't hold anything back there in that moment. Jesus Christ was trying to show us that Mary was completely surrendering herself. As brothers and sisters in Christ, let's think about this. When we make a decision for Christ, when we say we give our hearts to the Lord, when we surrender our hearts to God and we say, God, whatever it is you want us to do, we'll do it. Whatever it is you want me to do, Lord, I will do it. Even if he wants us to surrender, we, let's say we're already surrendered, but he wants us to give up something in our lives. When we do that, we don't think about that decision being for a short period of time, for a season or a moment. We think about it as a lifetime's decision. But how often do we find ourselves treating it like it's a, it's a, it's a short time decision? God wants us to be surrendered, not for half of our lives, not for 75% of our lives, but for all of it. The Bible tells us that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. Let's not give God 99.9% .9 of our hearts. If he can't have all of it, he doesn't want it. God wants all of our hearts. So when we make a decision to give God our lives, when we make a decision to surrender ourselves to God, that decision is a lifetime's worth decision. He died on the cross for our sins. Doesn't he at least deserve that? Doesn't he at least deserve our hearts? Imagine this for a second. In Isaiah 53, the Bible tells us it prophesies about the coming of Jesus Christ and the suffering that he'll go through when he comes to die on the cross for our sins. 
That's a promise God made to us in the Old Testament, and it was fulfilled in the New Testament. But if God made that promise and then went back on that promise, each and every single one of us in this room would be headed towards the devil's hell. Imagine that. But aren't you glad that we serve a God who keeps his promises? Aren't you glad that we serve a God that sent his only begotten side to, to die on that cross for our sins? And then when we accept him, heaven can be our home when we leave this earth. I am so glad that that's the kind of God I serve. God did that for us. And all he asked for in return is for us to serve him, to give him our lives. That's all he wants from us. But yet sometimes we don't even want to do that for him. I don't want to be that kind of person. He's done so much for us. Imagine this, the alabaster box that Mary broke that day. When the pieces are sitting there in front of Jesus Christ, everything is said and done. Mary could have came back and tried to piece all those alabaster broken pieces back together. But we can all agree that that alabaster box would not have been as valuable as it was before she broke it. Let's say that alabaster box represents our hearts. If our heart is broken in pieces sitting there in front of Jesus Christ, and we say, Lord, whatever you want to do with my heart, go ahead and do it. But then later on, we turn around, and we don't think he's looking. We come back and try to piece our heart back together and take it into our own hands. What makes us think our lives are going to be the same after that? It won't be. You can ask your pastor. You can ask some of the seasoned men and women here in this room. Maybe even you've experienced it yourself. Some of the most bitter people I know in Christianity are those people who gave themselves to God and later on try to take their hearts back from God. Some of the most bitter people you'll meet. That's why it's important for us that we completely surrender ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's done so much for us. The least we can do is give him ourselves. First point, it was a complete surrender. Second, it was a costly surrender. Let's turn back to John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. And when we're there, We'll look at verse number three again, verse number three, and we'll also look at verse number five. And the Bible says there, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Verse number five, Judas Iscariot said, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? So spikenard is a plant that is found in the Himalayan regions of Nepal and India for it to get over to Israel had to be imported to Israel. And so this is a process that you and I can imagine very, very costly. And if Judas Iscariot's estimation is correct, that this spike note was worth about 300 pence, well, a pence was about a day's wage, and 300 pence would have been close to someone's annual salary. This spikener that Mary had was not something that she worked for in just a couple weeks' time or a couple months. This is something that she worked for for a considerable amount of time. She, maybe some years before she was able to, to have the money saved up to buy this spike nerd. But when Mary saw Jesus Christ, that didn't matter. The cost of that ointment didn't matter to her. To put it into perspective for us, 300 pence is about tens of thousands of dollars in today's society. Personally speaking, I've never spent tens of thousands of dollars. If you know somebody who has, or if you personally have, I'd like to meet you outside this door after the service. We can do some wonderful things for God. <laughs> Our surrender cannot be true unless a sacrifice is made. You think about that. I'm going to read a couple verses here. You don't have to turn there. But John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay his life down for his friends. And in a verse we all know, 
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In those two verses I just read, a life is lost. God gave his son for us. A friend lays his life down for another friend. But those two verses are motivated by one word, and that's love. God loved us so much that he gave his son. A friend loves his friend so much that he lays his life down for, not even a family member. Just, we're not talking about a family member. This is a friend. That's a deep love that he lays his life down for that friend. How come as Christians, although we say that we love Jesus Christ, we say we love God, it's hard for us to sacrifice some of those things that God wants us to sacrifice. It's so hard for us to give him our hearts sometimes. It's so hard for, him when, for us when he says, surrender this. I don't know if there's a, there's not an offering plate up here right now. But when that offering plate comes around, when we're walking down the aisles and we're, we have that offering plate in hand, oftentimes we think about what can I sacrifice? I'm talking about the offering, not our tithe. What can we just spare out of our pockets and put inside this offering plate? What can I give to the church? But when God's offering plate comes around, God is not thinking about your money. You know what God wants in, your, in his offering plate more than anything else? He wants us. Because when we put ourselves inside that offering plate, God has our hearts. When we put ourselves inside that offering plate, he has our wallet. When we put ourselves inside that offering plate, he has our relationships. Everything that we have, God has. That's why it's important we give him ourselves first. Yes, it's going to be costly. Yes, it's not desirable. It's not the way of the world. It's not what's popular nowadays. But God deserves it. He gave his, life, he gave his son for us because he loved us. If we love God, what do we have to show for our love for God? What are we doing in our lives to show God that we love him? When the world looks at us, can they tell that we love God? I heard a preacher say this one time. He said, when you got saved, you have Jesus Christ living in your heart. The devil can't have you now. Although the devil can't have you, he can still use you. I wonder, how many of us have been used by the devil for someone else to go to hell? Do our lives reflect Jesus Christ? Do our lives reflect God? The Bible tells us in Genesis 1, and 28 that we are created in his image. When we look in that mirror, do we see ourselves or do we see Jesus Christ? Do we see God? Our lives need to be a reflection of him because if they're not, when the world looks at us, the world isn't changing. Nothing. We keep talking about revival and how we want to see revival in this country. That revival is never going to come. If we don't look in that mirror and see Jesus Christ, that's what we need to do. We need to see Jesus Christ. That's what he wants us to do. Second, it was costly. So third point, it was a criticized surrender. It was a criticized surrender. In verses 4 and 6, we'll look at verses 4 and 6. The Bible says there, Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Skip into verse number 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag, and bear what was put therein. So when Mary surrendered herself to Jesus Christ, the very first thing Judas Iscariot did was criticize her, question the decision that she made. Instead of rejoicing that somebody that he knew was serving his master, Judas Iscariot decided to criticize. You see, 
Judas Iscariot never cared about the poor. He says there that that money could have been used to help the poor. He never cared for the poor. Judas wanted to put that money in his own pocket. God knew, Jesus Christ knew that before that time, Judas Iscariot was already stealing money from them. And so his intentions were never for the poor. This is a guy who walked and talked with Jesus Christ just about every day of his life at that point. Yet when somebody decided to serve his master, all he did was criticize. When we decide to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, those criticisms will come. They will come. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to try to tell you that you've made the wrong decision. But that shouldn't stop us because we're not living for them. We're not living for them. I remember when I surrendered, I surrendered uh, to missions in, on July 3rd, 2014 at a camp right after I'd graduated from high school. And at that camp, um, I heard a message being preached uh, similar to this one. And it was also a surrender message. And uh, I didn't surrender to missions the first time I, I heard the preaching. But a couple days later, after wrestling with God, I surrendered to be a missionary to Ghana. When I got home, my parents weren't very happy about the decision I made. My dad, in fact, it still affected our relationship to this day. But my mom tried to stand behind me and support me in my decision. And we told some family members about it. Went to one of those uh, family friends' homes a couple days later. And this man is a pastor of a, a church there, a small church in Maryland. He told me, he said, are you sure this is what God wants you to do? I said, absolutely, sir. He asked me twice. and. Uh, he said, I think you're throwing your life away. The reason he said that is because I had a scholarship to go to a secular school. And I gave up that scholarship so that I can go to Bible college. He told me I was throwing my life away. If everything I did, if my surrender hinged on what that man said, I guarantee you I wouldn't be standing behind this pulpit today. Wouldn't be. But I didn't surrender for that man. I surrendered because that's what God deserves from me. That's what he wants from us. Despite whatever criticisms you might face, God deserves your surrender. He's given you salvation. The least you could do for him is give him your heart. And uh, I mentioned, so I didn't do it for that man, but I have a little brother whose name is Noel, and we spent, we spent Thanksgiving with him uh, and my, my other relatives and my mom um, before we went on full-time deputation. And while we were there, he made a decision. He got reassurance of his salvation and made a decision that he wants to go to Bible college as well. Noel got to that place because he watched me to see what I did with my surrender. He saw my life and the things that God had given me, what God had done for me, he wanted God to do for him as well. So yes, I didn't surrender for Noel. I didn't surrender for anybody. But my surrender impacted his life. It did. There's a lady in Ghana who I got to give the gospel to when she asked me if I could take her daughter to, her um, granddaughter to the United States with her. I said I couldn't do that and she asked me, well, why did God allow you to be born in the States but for my granddaughter to be born here in this poverty? I said, I don't know, ma'am. But me standing in front of you today is not a coincidence. And I was able to give her the gospel that way. If I hadn't surrendered, I don't know if that lady would have ever heard the gospel. But she heard the gospel because somebody chose to surrender. Who out there is not going to hear the gospel because you haven't fully given yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ? Who? Yeah, it's not desirable. You're going to be criticized. There's going to be some sacrifices you'll have to make, people you'll have to let go of, relationships you'll have to cut out. Maybe not take that promotion at work. But doesn't God deserve it? He does. 
All right, this message has been a little depressing, so I'll give you some good news. All right. Fourth and final point. It was a commemorated surrender. It was a commemorated surrender. Let's look back at Mark 14, 8 and 9. Mark 14, 8 and 9. The Bible says there, in Mark 14, 8 and 9, beginning in verse number 8, She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Jesus promised Mary that because of what she did that day, she was going to be remembered. This story is not just told twice in the Bible. It's not told three times, but four. Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 7, and John 12. God kept his promise and made sure Mary was remembered for what she did. We serve a great God. We might not be getting those accolades that we want from the world, the pat on the back or the, the uh, ribbons, whatever they give out there. We might not be getting those things from the world. You might not even be getting them in the church. Maybe people don't see some of those people who serve behind the scenes. But what we should live for are those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the only thing that should matter in our lives. God will commemorate us for the sacrifices that we make here. There's, there's so much that goes on out in the world and we try to, we, we try to make ourselves part of it. But don't, don't do that. The world has nothing for us. The Bible, not the Bible, I'm, the song, uh, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Life is but a vapor. We're only here for a short time. Heaven is where we're gonna spend our eternity. I remember being on the bus route back in, um, Bible college, and this is not, this is not against, a knock against my Bible colleges. I'm sure every bus route everywhere, um, there's, they have these issues too. But in, uh, on that bus route, so at my college, we were required to fill out an activity report at the end of every week, Sunday night, before Monday began. And on that activity report, you were required to go soul winning at least three hours a week. Uh, you were required to ride the bus route one way, at least picking up the kids or dropping them off or both, whichever one you wanted to do. Specifically on the bus route, there were two kinds of workers. There were the workers that sat in the back and used Sunday morning as kind of nap extension, or uh, the workers in the afternoon that, that sat in the back, they used that time to text their friends, they were tired, you know, they napped as well. But then there were those workers who sat in the front, they invested their time in those kids, taught them Bible lessons, taught them Bible songs, verses, so much with those kids. They poured themselves into those kids because they wanted those kids to be saved and they wanted those kids to live for the Lord. At the end of the day, when we all filled out those activity reports, every worker on that bus could check that box that said, yeah, I rode that bus, I served. But the ones in the back, were they surrendered? Sitting in a church pew doesn't necessarily mean you're surrendered to God. It doesn't. I don't know what your heart is. Only God can see your heart. There's people who are waiting on you to surrender your heart. There's men and women outside these doors right now who will never hear the gospel if you don't surrender your heart. God maybe hasn't called you to go to Ghana and give the gospel. As I mentioned earlier, the biggest problem in Ghana is not that they're not ready to hear the gospel. There's nobody going. Not enough going. Give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Give your heart completely over to him and let him work through you. I mentioned that the title of this message is Our Best, Our All. It's also a song that I, I absolutely love. 
And the words of the song go, hear ye the master's call, give me thy best. For be it great or small, that is his test. Do then the best you can, not for reward, not for the praise of man, but for the Lord. And the chorus goes, every work for Jesus will be blessed. But he asks from everyone his best. Our talents may be few, these may be small, but unto him is due our best, our all. Have you given Jesus Christ your best? Have you given him your all? If not, why? Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, and we want to thank you for the time that you've given us here in church. Lord, for this story of Mary giving herself her best completely over to you, I pray and ask now that we would do the same, Lord. Lord, help us to search our hearts, Lord. Ask ourselves, are we giving ourselves to you daily? I pray and ask now that, Lord, uh, I know that we... We desperately want revival in this country, and we want to see people saved around the world. But light a fire in our hearts, Lord. Help us to be the Christians, the people that you want us to be, Lord. The servants that you desire for us to be, Lord, so that those changes can happen, Lord. And we ask you to bless the rest of the service in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.